You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, the mailbag edition for the week. Uh, before I pass it to Matthew Lane, I probably need to mention... Watch this, Maddie. If you like the show, if you uh, like what we're doing over here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast podcast channel, we would greatly appreciate your five star five star reviews. Five, yes, good, good job, Matthew. Um, it, I, I've been reading some of them lately. Uh, so nice of all of you. It, it means the world to us that you guys go out and give us those five star reviews. Thank you so much. It helps us. It helps the show. It helps the channel. Uh, uh, but I am joined by Maddie Lane and Craig Stouts. Matthew, how are you this fine day? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing good. Normally, I have some fun, witty stuff to say about you, but actually, we got some important business to attend to. So this week, I put up a poll on Twitter. Craig's nickname of the Renaissance Man will forever go down in the history of the football world as the Renaissance Man. But I think it's time. It's time we moved on. We need to broaden his horizon He's now been on television. He's got his pictures of him strolling down the Hollywood Boulevard with his family. Everybody's looking really fly. It was time to get a new nickname out there in the world for Mr. Barley Hop. And I say Barley Hop because the actual new nickname of Craig Stout is now Barley Stunna. It won the vote by exactly 2% with 38%. And while I would have preferred Hollywood Hop because it fit the sunglasses picture perfectly... I think his swag was just a little bit too high, so people just had to go with the Barley Stunner. So now we have Craig Stout, Renaissance Man, Man of the People, Bearded Man Wonder, any other nicknames you guys have, and now you can add Barley Stunner on the top <laughs> of the list, and that will definitely be Craig's next tattoo. I hate you guys so <laughs> much. So I, I have this new thing. I want to keep adding, like, AKA after Craig's name to, like, oh, all God. of his... All Nobody of his wants nicknames. to listen to this. Nobody does. So this is a this is a very organic thing. Well, we'll continue to grow it. If we find one that deems uh, AKA, AKA worthiness, we'll add it. So it's, you know, Craig Stout, AKA Barley Hop, AKA the Renaissance Man, AKA Barley Stunna? Yeah, that's what the people voted on. I said I liked Hollywood Hop, but the people voted for Barley Stunna. So we, ha- we have to go with what the people said. I voted for Hollywood Hop. I'll just... I'll just leave it at that. I didn't but vote I because the vote was dumb. <laughs> well, you didn't exercise your rights as an American citizen, so I have no pity on you. Just leave it at that. That's fair. Uh, so today we're going to do the mailbag. We got a lot of great questions. I, I wanted to make one observation. I was reading through the questions today, and it's very clear that Chiefs fans have kind of moved into off-season mode. Uh, the questions Me are a little too. bit more hypothetical, a little bit more about next year's team not what you know who's gonna play corner but more like i don't know (coughs) more interesting questions of kind of more hypotheticals a broader scope it's very interesting to see that transition from everybody it was it was kind of interesting so we'll start with this one our guy keith mclean 78 first time's a charm uh will hashtag camp interceptions be a thing again this year you want to know something? I kind of like I think the training camp interceptions from Patrick Mahomes will be kind of a litmus test to how Chiefs fans are if they are going to lean on their history of depression and sadness and bad things happening to them, then they might freak out about the camp interceptions. Or if they're just if they're in if they're really fully leaned into the new era of Patrick Mahomes where they saw him throw a lot of interceptions last year and then go out and be the MVP, then then no, it's not gonna be a thing. I still think there's gonna be a faction of fans that are a little bit stressed about about training camp interceptions, Matthew. 
Yeah, and I think you're going to have a couple certain media members pushing <laughs> that narrative a little bit too, like we have most years. Hmm. Um, so it's it's going to come along. And I think, you know, we're in the dark period of football here. There's not going to be a lot of Chiefs news coming out. So when you get a report from somebody that comes out and says Patrick Mahomes threw 18 interceptions today, you know, some people are going to take a peek at it. Does it matter? No. But if people <laughs> going to talk about it, probably. And then on top of that, I think some people are expecting a little bit, not even necessarily Chiefs fans, but national media are expecting a bigger regression than I think Chiefs fans are prepared for right now, myself included. So you're going to get some of these people talking about regression that are going to come out and talk about his interceptions, how he should have thrown more interceptions last year than he actually did, little stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a story again. It's just it shouldn't matter to you as a fan. Correct. ESPN's going to talk about it. It won't matter, especially since the secondary is better. Uh, they're throwing a lot more at Pat. Pat's going to make some more mistakes in training camp, trying to push the envelope a little more and trying to develop more as a quarterback. He already's thrown a bunch in OTAs that we know of. So it's not that big of a deal. Don't let it be that big of a deal. Just when you see it, ignore it because camp interceptions don't matter. Shaking my head. Regression's already kicking in <laughs> for Mahomes. Just throwing interceptions left and right. Schweb29 asks, who would you rather see make this roster? Dion Yelder or the new guy at tight end, Neil Sterling? Um, Dion Yelder, I guess, by default. Um, I think Dion Yelder is a little bit of a, of a more unknown to me. And I think to everybody else, just there is some stuff to work with there in terms of an athletic profile. He flashed some stuff in college, even though it was lower level of competition. So I'd like to see him go out, see what he can do, see if he develops along maybe the same path that Demetrius Harris did, to where a year from now he becomes an acceptable player as a backup that maybe even continues to progress like Harris did throughout his career. Yeah, and Andy Reid seems to like him. Like I think that Andy Reid really wanted to see him in camp, really wanted to see him develop as a player. So I think he's got a little bit more of the inside track, even though it seems like Brett Veach is just wheeling and dealing with whatever vet tight end that he can find right now. So I think unless a guy gets cut, I think that you should expect that Deion Yelder is going to be your tight end too. Yeah, and I wrote about Deion Yelder last week. Uh, I got into his tape a little bit more. I went back to 2017. Um, I mean, there's some positive things in there. Uh, I still think tight end two's a big mystery and I don't like feel overly optimistic about whoever's filling that role. Uh, even Dion Yelder, uh, who I, I reviewed a little bit. So, um, it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Mr. C David asks, and he asked three questions. So we're each going to answer one. Uh, will Mahomes have more or less than 12 interceptions? He's going to have more, but it's going to be like 13. So yeah. there's that Craig, who is one player most fans are overlooking that will have a significant impact this year? Well, up until last week, it was Alex Okafor, and then the Alex Okafor media tour started. So, yes, it did. <laughs> everybody... I even watched Okafor tape last yeah. week. Yeah, he, He's going to be good. He's going to get plenty of one-on-one opportunities opposite of Frank Clark and Chris Jones. He's going to probably be your third highest sack total guy. I think that he's going to be good. But I'll, I'll go with Emmanuel Ogba. Everything's been silent about him since the trade. Like, there was a little conversation right afterwards, but not much since. And I think he's a guy that offers some depth both inside and outside, kind of like Breland speaks. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think that he's got a little bit more of an NFL game developed already so i think he will have an impact this year along that defensive line i kind of wish i would have asked maddie that question because i'm about to ask him this one and i think i already regret it <laughs> maddie <laughs> will breland speaks ever be a productive player for the chiefs define productive you define productive <laughs> Well, is he going to see NFL snaps? Is he going to take snaps on the field when the game matters? Yes, I think he will, probably even this year. Will he particularly do the most with those snaps, especially this year? I don't think so. I don't I don't know if Breland Speaks is a starting level player in the NFL. I don't know where he wins well enough, consistently enough to get on the field as a starter to play more than 50% of the snaps. I don't see a path for him on the Chiefs just from what we've seen so far, 
to be a guy that is playing at a starting level. Now, as a rotational player, as a guy that might pick up four or five sacks in the year, play a little bit on the inside, play a little bit on the outside and serve a specific role, sure, he can do that for the Chiefs this year, next year, might even move on to another team and do it. It just depends on kind of what you're thinking about in terms of productive player. And really, given his draft slot of the second round, if he's a key rotational player for the Chiefs for the next for this contract, maybe gets a second one, that's a fine draft pick. It's just when you were looking at it from the Chiefs' perspective, they traded up for him. You kind of hope for a little bit more than that. I was actually going to ask you what he needed to do to kind of earn pick 46. It kind of sounds like you gave a good enough answer there. Yeah, and I think I'm always going to want more just because I think there were other players on the draft board at the time. I didn't particularly see the use of the pick. I think you could have got him later. But if you're talking about a second-round pass rusher, defensive lineman, you don't expect those guys to become stars. Now, you would prefer them to be a starter, but if Breland Speaks can be a key rotational player, and like I said, execute and succeed in specific roles, then yeah, it's it's worth it. The trade-up part makes it a little trickier, but as far as just the 46th pick, then yeah, I think just be on the field when it matters for specific situations. Low Lip McGee asks, who are the worst fans out of all the AFC West teams and why? So there's no Chargers fans. Uh, so that we that they're eliminated already. Raiders fans, like they just haven't been relevant long in, in, in long enough to even like consider them. I think it's the Broncos by default and they are kind of annoying. They kind of puff their chests out a little bit more than you got Joe Flacco as your quarterback. Quit trying to talk yourself into to being anything. Yeah, for me, I think it's uh, it's uh, not Chargers fans. I was trying to talk myself into somebody else. We know it's Chargers fans. Chargers they fan, hype up. fan. No, there's fan? two of them in the stadium. There's two of them in the stadium every week. I see them. You I sure? mean, they might be selling concessions or something, but they're there with Chargers gear on. I think it's the owner but, and his um, wife. Shout out to Bolts from the Blue. Eh, <laughs> whatever. Well, are they um, are they an SB so, Nation site? Yeah. Or they oh. Are. Didn't know. I didn't Third know they house. had enough to sustain. Yikes, Kent! Just, just walk it back, Kent. Just walk it back. No, it's okay. But I'm gonna go with Chargers fans because every year somebody pumps them up as the team to beat in the AFC West, and every year they are beaten in the AFC West. So at some point in time, you think their fans have quit talking about that same thing over and over again? Like, just show up and do something. At least the Broncos had multiple runs where they were, you know, actually good and accomplished something. Chargers haven't been there. They've never done that. Just act like you've been there before. Oh, you haven't been there before, so you don't know what you're supposed to act like. That makes sense. Yeah, it's the Broncos, and unfortunately, they have had recent success with Peyton Manning. With someone else's quarterback. Somebody else's quarterback, but even still, John Elway was somebody else's quarterback. Lynn Dawson was somebody else's quarterback. But, um, no, it's... Patrick Mahomes is ours. That's true. That's true. Just saying. But Sorry. Yeah. Actually, he's Cliffs, so um, <laughs> he ain't he ain't going to Arizona. No, it's a, I got one more. I got one more Chargers joke. When if you're if you've got more, sorry. No, it's the Broncos, just because they they're hanging their hat on a defensive Super Bowl led by Peyton Manning in his last year there. So yeah. Peyton yeah. didn't do anything. He looked like Tom Brady last year. We got him benched. Um, yeah, we did. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Here's my Chargers joke. It'll be interesting to see how many fans show up when their home stadium can fit more than Philip Rivers kids. Moving on, uh, Nate CH479 asks, hypothetical, Jalen Ramsey for Chris Jones. Who says no? Obviously not being serious, just wondering what your thoughts were. Who says no? Uh, maybe the Jaguars because they don't want to pay another defensive tackle 20 plus million dollars i listen i love chris jones i would make that trade for the chiefs uh jalen ramsey is going to cost at least five million dollars a year less than chris jones is probably going to cost chris jones is an excellent impact player but so is jalen ramsey and the way that this team is built right now jalen ramsey makes a significant impact in that secondary, I think Jalen Ramsey takes him over the top there a little bit. And I think the Chiefs would make that move because they would believe in Spagnolo and Brendan Daly's ability to get the most out of the guys that they have. Yeah, I'm with Craig. I think Jacksonville says no, and I don't think it would even they would hesitate too long to say no. 
Chris Jones is going to get a lot of money. That defensive line's already got a lot of money and high kind of draft picks and capital players in it. They don't necessarily need another high-priced defensive tackle. They just drafted Taven Bryan the last year. He kind of fits that same general mold as Chris Jones. They're hoping he turns into something. If they let Jalen Ramsey go, yeah, they still have A.J. Bouye, but they just lost their nickel cornerback from last year. They'd just be replacing a lot in the secondary. And as far as the Chiefs go, they I think that they would make that move incredibly fast. You still get a young, top-tier corner. He's going to be cheaper than Chris Jones. You fill a bigger need for the type of defense that Steve Spagnuolo runs. I think it'd be a no-brainer for the Chiefs. I just don't think the Jaguars would consider it too awful long. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you all. I'm, I don't even have anything else to add. Kay Gumminger asks, who are the likeliest candidates for the first reported training camp fight? I love this question. Oh, I know this answer. I think I do too. I'm glad I'm going first so that Maddie doesn't steal my answer. <laughs> I think it's going to be Frank Clark and Eric Fisher. And everybody. Oh, wrong. It's Frank Clark versus everybody. <laughs> it's Frank Clark fighting the entire offensive line. I mean, that's close. I could see just Eric Fisher kind of has that vibe of like he's he if he gets like, you know, irritated enough, he might go out and, and pick a fight. And I think Frank Clark is just going to be actively trying. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's those two. Dark Horse, me versus the sun. That that that's a <laughs> the sun's gonna win. The sun always wins. The, Craig is definitely minus three thousand <laughs> in the odds in Vegas right now. So uh, it'll be uh, the Tanazons man. No, nope. Okay, nope, nope. Uh, so moving on, red Assance um, man, the red nope, nope, Assance nope. man. So I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Andrew Wiley and Frank Clark. I think I'm just trying to think of two guys that I think are gonna be trying an awful lot. I think you might get just one of these times when the pads start to come on, things get a little bit more physical. I could see Frank Clark trying like he's going to. Andrew Wiley seems like a fun, energetic guy. That, you know, he might get a little upset. I could see him trying extra hard too. Now, my thing is, I don't know if Frank Clark's going to get mad if an offensive lineman tries against him. And Wiley might not be a guy that's just going to get mad to get mad. That's why I think Fisher was probably the best pick there. But Wiley and Frank Clark could definitely go at it, get pretty physical, and maybe somebody gets upset and goes on. I'm just trying to think uh, who's going to most stand up to Frank Clark because you know he's coming 110% even in practice it's, every single it's, play. It's Dustin and Colquitt. offensive linemen don't like that. It's Dustin Colquitt. Right now, all, Frank Clark and Dustin Colquitt. <laughs> offensive linemen. Do, oh, Colquitt versus Jack Fox. They'll just Ooh. kick each other. Ooh. A little hint of jealousy there from, from Dustin Colquitt. Coquit's got leg that, envy? that vet savvy to him. Nah. It, Sidebar. Which fight would you most want to see at training camp? Okay. Um, hold on. I got to think about this one pretty hard. Tano Passigno versus... Oh, my God. Ooh. Is Tano fire enough to fight? That's like the point. All? That's the point. Like, because he's got the build and the length to do damage, but he he probably doesn't have the technique, which is why he can't get on the field. Who's he fighting? Uh, <laughs> Does it matter? <laughs> yes, Derek Naughty. There we go. Oh my god! Wait, they're both on. Yeah, that's. <laughs> hmm. Hey, we we are taking gap assignments very seriously this year. Does Tano just put his hand on him and try to hold him back like a child <laughs> and let Naughty swing? I want to see Naughty clear I, those hands and get inside of him though. It's yeah. here's what I here's what I want. I want I want I want let's let's call it Dion Yelder to try to punk Dan Sorensen like what's his name did last year. Blake Mack, where he broke it broke yeah. his knee. And I want to see if Dan's learned his lesson. And if he's just like, nah. We ain't having this. <laughs> Get up and bury him in the grass. It's a it's redemption. Yeah. yeah. I want to see uh, I want to see if Dan Sorensen can get redemption. I want to see a Tyron Matthew versus Nicole Hardman. Ooh. Oh, okay. That sounds a little like some shade. <laughs> uh What? I just would like to see two guys go out there, show some fire and get into it. Have two guys go out there and show like the care. Steve Gray Jr. I, asks I, I know one of them does. <laughs> Steve Gray Jr. asks, what would you have to see in 2019 to be convinced that Damian Williams is better than Kareem Hunt in this offense? Um, not going to happen. 
Um, I don't <laughs> think that you can convince me. I love Damian Williams. I think he's going to be a very good player, but Kareem Hunt was fantastic. And if I'm going to knock him for anything in terms of being in this offense, it was that he didn't trust his coaches enough to tell them what he did off the field to stay in this offense. <laughs> like on the field, I don't really, ha- you can't really have much of a complaint for what Kareem Hunt could do and did do in this offense. So I don't think that anything is going to point me to saying Damian Williams is a better fit as a football player than Kareem yeah, Hunt. Yeah, and I think Damian's going to be in a little bit of a committee. Like, I, I think, you know, we saw that Kareem got the lion's share of stuff. There were some rotational guys that kind of sifted in here and there. I think we're going to see Damian get the bulk. I mean, they've called him running back one. But I think we are going to see plenty of Carlos Hyde. I think we are going to see plenty of Darwin Thompson. I think they're... James Williams? What's that? We're going to see plenty of James oh, Williams? no, we're not because... Oh, we got to pour one out? we got to pour, pour one out. out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just think that, that he's just not going to get the same opportunities. He's a different blend of back. I wouldn't want to give him the same amount of opportunities that Kareem Hunt got. He's still a very good back. This run game is still going to operate at a very, very, very high level. I just, I just don't think that they are a like-for-like comparison. They don't need Damian Williams to be Kareem Hunt. It does not matter. They are going to be just fine. They were just fine without Kareem Hunt last year. It, he's not the same dude. He's not gonna. They don't have a workhorse necessarily, and it doesn't matter. They are going to be speaking just of, fine in the running game. Speaking of running backs, another fight I want to see is Tano Passanio versus Darwin Thompson. Oh, Darwin might win that. <laughs> I just I, I, that would be a fun one to watch. It kind of would, and I <laughs> you you won you won the day because that's that's the answer. Uh, we are going to uh, we're going to take the rest of your questions after this. SoCal eleven eighty six asks: All the talking heads are saying the Chargers and their fan are the team to beat. I don't believe it. But what is the most dangerous part of their team? Uh, their their lineup on paper, and that's about it. Because they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, like you look at their roster, their their pass rushers are great. Their safeties are really, really, really good. Phillip Rivers is an excellent quarterback that's defying the odds. Keenan Allen's really good. The rest of the receivers are really good. Like there's a lot of spots on that team that are really, really good. And they consistently find ways to lose, find ways to miss field goals that would have won them games, things like that. So, in reality, it, it's the sort of the specter of the Chargers, not necessarily the team itself. Yeah, the most dangerous part of the Chargers uh, team is definitely their pre-preseason hype every year. But, <laughs> uh, if the pre-preseason hype of the Chargers will put every other team besides the Patriots to shame. Every, I mean, it is just round one KO if you put them in a fight against anybody else. So, yeah, watch out for that. That early Ju- June, July hype, the Chargers win it every single year. I mean, there is just a disconnect. I mean, they're. I mean, and they're talented. Like they're right. You're talented on paper, and they are. They have a ton of talent. They have a ton of premier talent in different spots on that roster. But they charger it every year, and the Chiefs have won how many straight AFC West championships? Two, <laughs> three, three. Uh, we're gonna dive into a little fantasy here. I like it. Fantasy Whoa. football here. Oh, Taylor Holstein asks, I'm just going to keep churning and burning through that one. If Damian Williams is still the starting running back, when do you stack, snag him in a 12-man fantasy league? Funny enough, I was actually looking at a little bit of this earlier. Um, I I still think, you know, even if he doesn't get, you know, if he's not a workhorse per se, I still think you can look at into that round two, round three, if you're in a P- PPR league. Um kind of maybe back end of round two, early round three, I would feel pretty good about taking maybe even mid round two. Uh, PPR value, um, and he's still going to get a lot of volume. He's still going to get a lot of opportunities near the goal line. Man, I'm not updated on my uh, fantasy football. When I first started playing, running backs were all the rage, like to go all over the first round. Then we saw the age where running backs fell out of favor for wide receivers. And now I think running backs are back in vogue again. I don't really know. I don't follow. Um, 
if I was playing fantasy football, I would take Damian Williams in a 12-man fantasy league. I would feel pretty comfortable taking him in the third round. I just think by then you're kind of at the point where the guys that you know will be better are going to be gone. And if you're taking a shot out of the next tier of guys that you can't slate above him for sure, I, I have no problem taking him as like the, I don't know, the 10th running back whatsoever at, in a fantasy draft just because the offense that he's in. But again, I'm not a big fantasy guy anymore. I'll do one draft a year. I barely survived having to wear a Raiders jersey to training camp this year <laughs> in our fantasy league. So take take my advice with a grain of salt about fantasy football, guys. I, I think that he he's like the back half of round two, early round three, because he has more of a path to success than just running the ball. Like he's going to catch the ball. He's going to score lots of touchdowns for this team. We saw it towards the end of the year there. He, he was a workhorse inside the 20s. They found him ways to get open and score touchdowns. I think that's going to continue this year. Even though I you know think that there's going to be more of a running back by committee, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get the best looks of all those guys. So I think he's going to be able to do it through the air, on the ground, and I think he's going to score plenty of touchdowns. I think in that regard, that's, you can get a consistent performance from him week to week. So, yeah, that's worth about the bottom of round two, early round three. Craig, I want to follow up on that real quick with this. Um, who who won the Arrowhead Pride Cup this year? Uh, I don't I, – I honestly don't care. <laughs> Maddie, do, you, do you remember who, who won the Arrowhead Pride Cup this year? Kent, I honestly have zero clue. Kent, no, Kent, yeah, you said Kent. Yeah, no, that's right. I hey, thank you. Thank you for remembering. Playoffs right now. I know that I did not finish last. Which so is all that matters. I don't have to wear Raiders jersey. Now, this is to people going to training camps this May because if I had to wear a Raiders jersey, I was buying a Khalil Mack jersey and then ripping it off for – just any plain boring Raiders <laughs> jersey that compromises the rest of their defense after they traded him. But alas, I do not have to wear the Raiders gear. So and, I quit paying attention then. And I was the farthest away from having to wear guys, that. Congratulations uh, to Kent. He won the AP so fantasy football league that we thank cared you. very dearly about. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. Still waiting on my trophy, Peter, whenever you hear this. Yo, Pete, uh, hook uh, this man up with a can of throat spray from a high V. Make sure it's the top shelf stuff, please. I mean, that's it's a, it's a major award. I won it. Uh, Garrett720 asks, who do you think leads the team in interceptions this season? Uh, there's only one person who could. That's Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill is going to lead this team in interceptions there. I said it. Kent, I don't like Took how the funnest both, answer. both questions that have had like player answers that are obvious, you put yourself first on the rundown. I think that is some that is some inside <laughs> going on here. So um, since Juan Thornhill is taken, I'm going to say Tyron Matthew, and I don't particularly feel great about my pick because it should I, – I would go with Juan Thornhill as well. It, it's It's Matthew. I think that he's going to be used more uh, more like a weapon than anybody else on this defense is going to be used. And so I think they're going to give him a lot more opportunity to roam, rob routes, you know, kind of jump things and give him a little extra protection because they know what he can do when he gets his hands on the ball. So I, I think it's him. So Matt really picked Thornhill, so I wasn't the only one. No, uh, Mr. Salad Bar asks, but you really wanted to pick the one and only answer. No, Mr. Salad Bar asks, I box. can't wait for you to be gone next week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Salad Bar asks, if Tyree if Terry Kill ends up playing in 2019, what role does Nicole Hardman play in the Chiefs offense? See what I mean? You set me up. Like next time I'm gonna have to bring a wad of cash, apparently, onto this for the jar. Um so here it is. When Tyree Kill comes back to we have a new Miko Slander jar, sorry. Nicole Hardman is gonna play the role of returner. 
And I'm pretty sure that's the role he was going to play even if Tyreek Hill isn't here. I think that Byron Pringle is a better vertical route runner. Demarcus Robinson is a better vertical route runner. They're both better underneath route runners. Uh, Cody Thompson's a better receiver all around in terms of technical skill. I'm not sure that Michael Hardman is much more advanced than Marcus Kemp or Garrick Dieter as an actual wide receiver right now. So essentially, you're paying for him to occasionally run some deep routes and threaten teams deep, which he will do, and he will get on the field to do so with this offense, and he'll be a return man. But once Tyreek Hill's out there at that kind of speed, it's going to be much more spot duty for Nicole Hardman, in my opinion. I just I don't think he's ready for the NFL game on offense right now. And again, I wouldn't be surprised to see undrafted free agents from the past two years to surpass him on the depth chart, especially once you get that elite level speed out there. I could I could see him after Tyreek Hill comes back being more of a DeAnthony Thomas role in year one, catching a lot of bubbles, catching a lot of screens, and trying to use him, you know, put him in space with the ball in his hands because we, his speed is his best attribute right now. That's oh unquestionable right now. Ugh, jar. So you've got to you've really got to put the ball in his hands and try and help him to maximize his game here. And that's going to be done through a lot of bubbles, a lot of screens, things like that. That's how Georgia used him, too. And he was effective in that role. So that I think Andy Reid will scheme up a lot of that stuff. There was a lot of conversation about Andy Reid's screen game this week. I think that, that that really does play into it. I think Nicole Hardman can really thrive there if he's not being relied on to try and produce as like a wide receiver two in this offense. If you can bring him into spot duty and kind of use that speed, that's where he's going to be most effective. The best thing that could happen to me, Cole Hardman, for a variety of reasons is, is if Tyreek Hill is on the field uh, because the developmental arc for him doesn't have, or the developmental path that for him doesn't have to be rushed. They, Andy Reid can still manufacture touches for him, like Craig's saying, and get him some opportunities to utilize his speed, get him in space, give him some opportunities out there, and let him kind of develop. Um, so, and honestly, like even if Tyree, like if Tyree kills lining up over at Z, and, and they figure out something to do with with Michael Hardman and his speed, with you know everybody threatened by him, you know they, they could figure some stuff out where you know they it could be relatively successful and efficient. So. Um, there it would really benefit Michael Hardman to not have to be leaned on too much because I don't think teams will honor that vertical threat as much as they would uh, if he had a little bit more time and a little I more. Think part of the issue for me though is when you're thinking about DeAnthony Thomas being used in the screen game, what was he competing against for snaps? So putting DeAnthony Thomas out there to run pretty much just bubbles or gadget plays was really the best option. Whereas now, I think most Chiefs fans probably are a little bit higher on the Chiefs receiving core as a whole. So once you get Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill back there, like you're having to bench a Demarcus Robinson, uh, Byron Pringle, Cody Thompson, just somebody that I think that at least I and I think a lot of fans kind of feel are better players to run these gadget plays with Nicole Hardman. I think it's going to be hard to get a substantial amount of snaps in there if your goal is just to run a nine or a bubble on every single play. So it's just, it's going to be very limited usage for me. Now, and I agree. I think Tyree kill planes, the best thing that can happen to me, Cole, is you get a chance to just sit back and learn an offense. that's pretty complex that asks a lot out of you and gives you a chance to kind of transition into a receiver, still transitioning from a cornerback. It's just, I'm not sure that the opportunities are going to be there like they were for D'Anthony Thomas, given the, the way the chiefs are set up right now. Chancey asks, give me a starter from last season who is most likely not to be on the Chiefs roster come week one. This one was a tough one for me. Um, I, I I went naturally to the safety position because they addressed it so heavily this offseason that I, I think, you know, and I'm not sure if it's Dan Sorensen or if it's Armani Watts, if you want to consider him a starter. He did technically get to... Uh, get to do that for one game but if you maybe Dan Sorensen even though we all think that maybe he's a little bit better fit in this defense than Armani Watts is and so he's kind of that fourth guy he would be a cap casualty but again they have 26 million dollars in cap so what do they really need that cap for I just 
I don't really see a whole lot of guys that they didn't already purge off of this roster that are that far outside of a chance to uh, to get cut that was a starter last year. I'm going to defer and let Kent go because I have two answers. So I'm going to see if he takes one of them and just talk about the other. So if you're if I I think I think it happens at the start at the safety position. Oh. I uh if we're not saying Dan Sorensen, Jordan Lucas has no guaranteed money on I his know. contract. So does that really count as a starter though? Does that count as a starter? Hey, he started no. at the end of the year. Well, I mean, I, you're not wrong. I mean, does he count as a starter? I don't know. I think he did start some. Dan Sorensen then. Fine. Just Dan. All right. Um, so I think the obvious one is Tyree Kill, just in case something wild else comes out. Like there's still a yeah. chance something else comes out. And I think that would make him like the most likely if you're putting odds to something. I don't think it's going to, but there's still a chance. I would put his odds up to the highest. A sneaky one for me might be Cam Irving. If he does, in fact, lose the battle with Andrew Wiley and they like some of the other depth they have with Allegretti, Khalil McKenzie going forward, I, I mean, I think there's a use for Cam Irving as a swing tackle, as a guy that can play all the positions along the offensive line. But if there was a reason to be to need money, and I think he saves just a little bit, not a lot, but he's a guy that they might not need that saves a little bit of money, allows younger guys to get in there. He would kind of be a dark horse guy for me. But, I mean, those would be, those are the two guys that I was kind of thinking of, and I was hoping you were going to take one so I didn't have to go with two answers. So uh, I just as a quick – double check on Cam Irving. I don't know how it look, doesn't look like he would save all that much. It'd actually be a pretty high dead cap. So well, that was just, just thinking of I mean, course Cam Irving cut. I get the, no, I get the no, logic trade, though. I trade. totally get the logic though. Now trade that make yeah, trade. that's true. You it get a, a trade. You get a player for Cam Irving. He's worth the minimal amount of money. Like if you can go out and like get a corner that is better than CB three for uh, Cam Irving. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still going to be dead, but like, if the asset that you're getting back's worth it, right. yeah, I mean, that does. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't go with Reggie Ragland. To be honest, we know how much he is. Um, I've kind of, and honestly, a lot of like, even based on the last couple of weeks, like, I think a lot of my thoughts have kind of evolved, and one of those is like, I think Reggie Ragland is actually going to wind up making the team. Summer uh, Spags. Summer Spags. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Your guys' excellent work that you all should be reading, if you haven't, on arrowheadpride.com, uh, convince me. I was, I was starting to be a little more convinced beforehand, but you guys really have killed this article. Like That stuff is ridiculously good, and I hope everyone is getting a chance to read it because there's a lot there, and sometimes it'll answer these questions that we're getting a lot in the mailbags. So we get a lot of linebacker questions. A lot. Uh, BamaFan7 asks... Do you have any game day superstitions? I have zero. I uh, I have zero. I, I'm not a particularly superstitious person. I know Maddie has a fantastic superstition, and I'm very excited for the world to hear this one. All right. So my so-called superstition is so-called. That you I wake up nice and early in the morning, play with the child a little bit, my daughter, and we hang out, drink some coffee. As the coffee's kind of getting going, we slide on the chief shirt. We get my sneakers on. We head over to the gym. We have a nice, intense leg day. We're talking like come close to puking because of an intense leg day. It's got to be a hard one. It's just what it is. We come home. Hopefully, it's a 1 o'clock game here for me. That's just enough time to eat breakfast, shower, sit down to watch the Chiefs. The Chiefs actually only lost one game last year where I got to follow the entire superstition, and that was the first New England Patriots game. Um, besides that, every game the Chiefs lost, I actually had to miss the gym that weekend. So I'm sorry, guys. That is kind of on me. And, uh, you know, outside obligations. I'm going to do better this year. I used to have a very thorough game day superstition. I had a Derek Johnson jersey that wasn't washed in like three years. And I, I was at some pretty heavy drinking tailgates where people were spilling stuff all over it and, you know, food gets on it, stuff like that. So it was a pretty nasty smelling jersey there. But after 
I started writing. I didn't get to do some of the things that I do because I chart while the game's going on. So, you know, having a couple beers in the first half to try and counteract in certain scenarios no longer works anymore because then all of a sudden I get done with it and I it's it's a mess. So I uh, <laughs> I, I don't anymore. When I go to games, definitely do. Uh, I try and have several in the parking lot as anybody who has listened to the radio show uh, pre-game might, might I was know. wondering if you were going to go there. Yeah, might, might have picked up on that fact. Um, but that, was the best, that was radio goal. It was, like one of the, it was hilarious. I, oh, that one week. It was a playoff game. It was, it it was, was a Patriots playoff, playoff game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I got a couple that I still get to do, but for the most part, no, not anymore. I didn't know there was more to Maddie's than just doing squats. It's like – Puts on a chief, wears a Chiefs jersey to jersey, <laughs> to no shirt, shirt, not a jersey. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, my apologies. Yeah. Rocket Chief eighty eight asks the Chiefs do not make the Super Bowl if, and you can't use an injury to Mahomes as your answer. They lose a game in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a cop out. That's what a terrible answer. answer. The Chiefs don't make the Super Bowl if they line up offsides on an important third uh, down. Okay. Um, All right, Craig, what do you have for realistically, us? Realistically, the Chiefs don't make it to the Super Bowl if the defense has more communication errors than I think we're leading on right now. Spag's defense, while coming across as simple by some of the players, there's a lot of variance to it. There's a lot of different stuff out there. There's a lot of different coverages, adjustments, alerts, stuff like that. There's a good chance in year one under Steve Spagnuolo there's going to be a lot of miscommunication issues, things that are going to lead to big plays in untimely situations. And you just kind of hope by the playoff time that stuff's at a minimum. But there's a chance that stuff like that could be their undoing in the playoffs. I think once everyone's clicking on the same page, this team absolutely has the ability to make the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of can they get there in year one with an entirely new defensive concept in place. I'm going to say if the cornerbacks play at their average. like I, Because I... I yeah, I've stated multiple times that this group of cornerbacks needs to play above what we've seen from them on a year-to-year basis thus far in order for this defense to be good. So if they're playing average, they're going to get exploited in some scenarios. They could run into a buzzsaw in the playoffs that is just able to throw and pick on the cornerback. So I'm going with that. I'll say that Chiefs do not make the Super Bowl if the situation with the pass catcher doesn't get settled. I mean, Travis Kelsey is coming off an injury. We know about the Tyreek Hill situation. We don't know if Sammy Watkins is going to be able to stay healthy for 16 games uh, or 19 games. I think that situation, there's it's still pretty murky. Uh, if, if things don't kind of – if things don't go – if things go middle of the road with that whole situation, just the, the, the list of issues that they have at the pass catchers, like they need a couple of things to go right for that group to really be solidified or to, to I, some of that things you know, go right is a bad word choice on some of that, but you, I think you kind of get my point um, at uh, chief Boyard DG out of Mahomes possible young quarterback rivals who will be the most exciting to watch him duel with uh, the actual best competition and who will be the guy, the media hyped up, but is it actually in this league? I love this question. Uh, most exciting to watch duel. I'll start on this one. It's Deshaun Watson because of the draft stat, like where they were drafted. They drafted him before him. Deshaun Watson, his rookie year, had all this hype, all this love. People thought he was the second coming. And then Patrick Mahomes went out and did Patrick Mahomes things. I've got, in my head at least, I've got this like little comparison in my head kind of thing. So I'm always excited to watch them go head to head. Yeah, I, that's the same one for me, especially if the secondary is not playing as well, because then Deshaun Watson's YOLO balls will be even more successful. Um, mm, little shade, little, little shade, little shade. Deshaun there. I, Deshaun's one of those guys that can keep you in a game, so he he is probably going to be the most exciting to watch duel going forward. And yeah, like Kent said, they're going to be linked because those two guys were just linked before the draft, and they're going to be linked after the draft. So, yeah, he's mine too. 
The most exciting to watch duel. It's kind of a tricky question. I'm actually going to go with Kyler Murray, and I didn't want to go with him just mm-hmm. because I don't think they're going to play each other that much. So I kind of thought that was a cop out. Like, they won't. That's cute. That's, yeah. Playoffs, I think, Super Bowl. <laughs> Drew Locke was like the obvious answer here because they're actually going to play each other multiple times, whereas these other guys barely see. But most excited about, I want to see Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes just going at it. I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. I don't think they're necessarily that close in talent level, but it would be fun to watch. The uh, okay, so the best competition, Gregory. I'm gonna say Baker Mayfield. Um, I almost went with him on exciting to watch duel, but I decided to save him for this. We saw that already. It was boring. Well. I, I'm thinking like full on Texas Tech, Oklahoma, let you know, all out war there. I, I the Browns, regardless of what you think of Baker's mental state or the team or who's <laughs> leading them or anything like that, I, Baker Mayfield does get up for big games. I think that any time that you're playing against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs from here on out is going to be a big game. I, I think that that could turn into a shootout. Yeah, and that's my exact same logic to where I was going to pick Baker Mayfield here too. I think he's also going to be the most exciting. It's just he's also the best competition, so I wanted to save him for this one. Baker Mayfield to me was my number one quarterback coming out that year he came out. I would have probably put him right up there below Patrick Mahomes, but he would have probably been my quarterback too that year. I thought he was that good as a prospect. So just seeing what he did last year and as he progressed as the year went on, I think Baker's an easy choice for the next best young quarterback to me. Uh, sweep it, actually. So I do think <laughs> Baker's probably the best competition. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Guy that the media hypes. And, Matt, you can't say Meikle. That's fine. I'm surprised you guys used this guy already. But uh, Deshaun Watson, 100% yep. is the guy that the media hypes too much for throwing YOLO balls. Deshaun Watson's a good player. He's a good job. He He's very athletic. He moves, throws the ball well with touch on the move. He just throws a lot of balls up in the air and expects his wide receivers to make a play for him. And they did a fantastic job of it uh, when he was a rookie. Last year, they weren't as good as it as a whole. And yes, there's other issues with the team around him. But I think Watson needs more help than some of these other guys to have that level of a year. And I think you're going to see his rookie year, especially that small stretch where he was throwing like 18 interceptable passes, but only coming away with one or two interceptions out of it, is going to be a little bit more... Uh, it's not something he's going to be able to repeat year after year. He's a guy that just got a lot of hype because he played at Clemson, because he had these big performances by just letting Nuke Hopkins go crazy on defenses. Mitchell Trubisky. Is he even hyped up? No, Mitchell. I don't even. It doesn't even count. Mitchell, no, even, come on. Even count. No, no, come on. He gets hyped all the time. People talk about him as being no, a two hundred million dollar player. There are people that talk about him as getting a giant contract. After two hundred million dollars, is he signing a two hundred year contract? I have no idea. I just see enough people that talk about him as a player that it's like, oh, he's still putting it together. Oh, he's he's still coming. You know, Matt Nagy's going to turn him around. Patrick Mahomes with that defense would have gone undefeated. They would have gone <laughs> nineteen and zero last year. Mitchell Trubisky is not good. He's ungood. He's really bad. Yeah, that yeah, I would agree. Also, did, I, we, did we mess up here? Are Carson Wentz and Jared Goff not in this conversation? Because I see, didn't I, them. I was gonna go. I was probably gonna go Goff. Okay. Even though I think the answer is Deshaun Watson. I didn't uh, them. I, I was thinking they were older. Like okay. Yeah, they were a year before. They were year. They were only taking a year before Mahomes, though. Yeah. Yeah, but Carson so Wentz is still on their rookie a deal. lot older. Yeah, uh, Carson is already what thirty-five. Yeah. And Jared Goff uh, is busy finding out where the sun rises or sets. Or- <laughs> <laughs> I I was thinking about like, Deshaun Watson's a guy I think the media hypes too much. Uh, I oh. think Jared Goff's in that same boat too. Lamar. I mean, if Lamar, Mitchell Trubisky counts, Lamar, Lamar Jackson I, I don't count. Is listen, the media really hype? No, Lamar's getting like uh, that counter hype where everybody is just like crapping on Lamar all the time for being a terrible quarterback. So you got some people that are coming on going, you know, hey guys, he's not as bad as you're making him out to be. Like are that's you talking the- about Lamar or Mitchell Trubisky? Hmm. 
<laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how Hollywood Brown's going to be utilized. <laughs> I keep thinking about this. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to they run in rounds. Uh, Quadruple. Craig, 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 do you want to take? Do you want to take a couple questions? Yeah. You let's go, let's go questions to here? the chat here. Uh, we got Chris Albright asks. Are you guys worried about Perfect and Incognito when playing yes, a little against bit. the Oakland Raiders? I'm a little bit terrified of Vontez Perfect and what he might just do in uh, – yes. The answer is yes. I saw I Vontez Perfect attempt to tackle Kareem Hunt like eight times, then get injured in the process, so he no <laughs> longer scares me. Now, He's crazy enough to do something stupid, though. That's the that's where Incognito's crazier. Trying to make a tackle. Like, yeah, but he he can't get near Patrick Mahomes, so like I don't whatever. Are you he sure? Like, Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, he could play. take out Chris Jones's knee or Frank Clark's knee or ugh. I. Yes, I'm not looking forward to playing against those guys. Um, Ricky Incognito is more of a threat to Derek Carr's self-esteem than he is anybody. Else. <laughs> oh, Be real, man. Uh, nobody's a threat to Derek Carr's self-esteem. He just doesn't have Derek Carr is the easiest target in social media. I just, I found myself making a lot of Derek Carr jokes lately. I don't know why. Cause he's easy. He's easy. easy. Um, Gary Holland, who do you think the best UDFA to will be to make the team? Who Who's going to make the team from the UDFA class? Cody Thompson. I think uh, we all think is going to make this team. Yep. I'll tell you what, guys. Two locks. Gary Johnson, James Williams. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, can't, uh, can't, can't. What? I, I realize you've been out of it a little bit lately with yeah, you know, your sick. sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lost my facial hair for a while. It kind of really messed things up, too. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, those guys, you, you might want to check the roster. Just, just check it. Okay. Anybody else? No! That'll do it for this week's episode of the AP Laboratory. Please put in a headphone warning. I, I really tried to like, I tried to do it up here so it would be away from the mic. Let's close it out on that because I think that's just a great way to, uh, to close this thing out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching the live stream. We will be back. Actually, I won't be. I'll be on vacation. Craig and Matt will be back with a special guest next week on the live stream and the mailbag episode next week. We'll catch you later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.